0: This episode is dedicated to Gary Cook, Rami Dawood, your King Lob, and Alan Griffith for becoming our newest Southpaw supporters and helping to make this project possible. UFC 260 Recap Written by Sam Read by Comrade Baby And Comrade Creighton.
1: And this is Fight Study
0: UFC 260 has come and gone, and we have a new heavyweight champion. Francis Ngannou becomes the third African fighter to become a UFC champion, and the first to win a heavyweight title. Much was made by Joe Rogan on how Ngannou left Cameroon, Africa, to arrive in Europe and eventually become a UFC champion. However, this can easily be weaponized as a bootstrap story to reinforce barbaric immigration laws and policies. Nganou was much more patient in this rematch, than in his first fight with former champion Stipe Miocic, back in 2018. Engano also showed a new wrinkle with his wrestling, showing wrestling defense he did not show in their first fight. It was cautious aggression. As conscientious MMA analysts, we don't just worry about the brain, we also worry about the eyes. This is a particularly unique problem to MMA, not only because of eye pokes, but also glove design where stiff edges of the glove can also tear and lacerate eyes. This is why sometimes punches also feel like eye pokes. Even after having retinal surgery in 2019, Miocic seems to have trouble seeing right punches out of his left eye. In between rounds, you saw the Miocic corner discussing and working on Miocic's left eye. Miocic constantly ducked and circled away from Ngannou's right hand, which is a wise decision anyway since it is so powerful but he walked onto a marching left straight he recovered and hit Ngannou with his signature rebounding right straight usually a fight ender but Ngannou showed his final form and hit him with a left hook that KO'd Miocic in under a minute of round 2 Ngannou instinctively followed up with another strike on the ground and Herb Dean was too late to prevent the extra strike Miocic also twisted his leg on the way down things you don't often see in the heavyweight division are leg kicks and jabs Rather than the smaller, faster Miocic showing this variety, it was Nganu. Miocic had no answer for either. Miocic did show an iron chin, heart, patience, an inability to be shaken, great timing for takedowns, and cage awareness. No one has survived that many punches from Nganu other than Miocic, and it's largely due to his composure and awareness. Another thing that hurt Miocic in this fight was that this was a smaller cage than last time. Overall, the lack of crowds in smaller cages have increased knockouts. If Ngannou can fight John Jones in his first title defense, this will not only be his biggest payday, but, if victorious, can make Ngannou a pay-per-view star. Ultimately, we want these fighters to take less damage and make lots of money. Ngannou, hopefully, can break out and show a different face for the UFC. In the co-main event, we
2: have former welterweight champion and future Hall of Famer, Tyron Woodley vs Vicente Luque Luque is not a wrestler, unlike Woodley's previous three opponents. This meant either the fight would remain standing, or Woodley would dictate the terms of when it would go to the ground. With pressure to be aggressive in this fight, Woodley charged at Luque, guns blazing. This was a concern as Woodley, even in sparring, likes to wait for his reads and get his timing before he strikes. He's not someone who can improvise while charging in. This is what got him in trouble against Nate Marquardt back in Strike Force. Woodley was able to clinch with Luke and look for takedowns, which Luke was able to fend off. But the reckless aggression from Woodley did catch Luke off guard, and there was a moment where Luke got buzzed. I avoid the word rocked because Luke is known for having excellent fighting posture, standing behind his arms and feet. He's not only planted on his feet when he takes a shot, but they also have to get through his forearms. Woodley chased Luke with power shot combinations of overhands and left hooks to right uppercuts, all without much purpose other than head hunting. Luke's body was open, but Woodley was thinking knockout. However, this is where blind aggression doesn't work for Woodley, because there's nothing Luke did that said a left hook to right uppercut combo was appropriate. Luke allowed Woodley to hit his forearms with a hook, and swing at air with the uppercut before catching Woodley with a simple short straight right punch, which Woodley threw his face into. At this point, it was academic as Luque stalked Woodley and hurt him with more shots until Woodley dove for a blind takedown. At which point, Luque seized the opportunity to choke out a severely compromised Woodley. Stylistically, Luque was the worst matchup for Woodley as he is not one to punch into clinch, but punch and kick, while staying far enough away to
0: avoid clinch exchanges. Next, we have returning Sean O'Malley vs. Thomas Almeida. O'Malley moonlights is a podcaster and has gone on record several times to say he models himself after Joe Rogan. He is the first but not the last of Joe Rogan life coach fighters. And eventually, we will have a fighter named after Joe Rogan in the octagon. Sometimes you have to open yourself up and be aggressive to be defensively responsible. If not, you become a punching bag like Almeida. Almeida has not been the same since his knockout loss to Cody Garbrandt. He at one time fought more like Charles Oliveira but now is more surviving than fighting. O'Malley also attacked with kicks first to prevent Almeida's kicks. O'Malley all but abandoned traditional feints, and went for look-away punches to look at my right hand as I hit you with my left hand. Distractions. When this happens, it does not mean the fighter is that good, but that the other fighter is, that, outmatched. The end came for Almeida in the third round. Catching opponents with distractions at this level is rare, but speaks more to where Almeida is currently as a fighter, than it does for O'Malley. This does not mean O'Malley can't show better feints and traps than in this fight, he just didn't have to.
2: Next, we have Miranda Maverick vs. Jillian Robertson. It was competitive once it hit the ground but was clearly one-sided when it was on the feet. Maverick reminded us why Superman punches are no longer an MMA meta, by immediately being taken down by Robertson. Robertson on the ground is constantly scrambling for the back, and Maverick would have been wise several times in the fight to disengage and stand back up. Being only 23, these are growth lessons to improve as a fighter. For Robertson, being able to incorporate striking not only as setups for takedowns, but striking
0: for striking's sake. Will do much for our overall competitiveness. Jamie Malarkey knocked out Kamal Worthy in 46 seconds of the first round. It was an example of a bad habit many develop by being the best guy at their gym, which is to lean your head straight back against the punch. This is not necessarily a bad defense, especially when kicks are involved, but works best if you have the reach advantage, and secondly if you're standing your ground. Worthy did this as he was backing up and as his feet were crossed. He was wide open for a left hook.
2: In the prelim headliner, Alonzo Manyfield did what he was supposed to do, defeat Fabio Chiron, who took the fight on short notice. Sharon held onto a guillotine choke even after being taken down, and tapped to a Von Flew slash OSB choke. Though Jason Von Flew first at the choke at welterweight. It is now mostly seen at the higher weight divisions, as it relies on the opponent to make a technical error, by holding onto a guillotine even when taken down in a side mount. It's something you seldom see anyone do in the lighter divisions, but still happens in light heavyweight. You don't see it as much at heavyweight either, as heavyweights are less apt to go for takedowns, but instead finish with punches. Also, this requires slam takedowns, which gets more difficult with
0: heavier opponents. Abu Bakr Nurmagomed defeated a passive Jared Gooden. Nurmagomed is the cousin of Habib Nurmagomed But in this fight, instead of showcasing his wrestling, he outstruck Gooden. Gooden came in with an A-anarchy tattoo, which made us want to root for him. Still, he had a hands-down outside counter-striking style, which only works well if you can avoid getting punched and land counter-strikes, which he was unable to do. A general rule, if you can't counter-strike well, keep your hands up. Nurmagomedov won comfortable decision, winning every round. Mikhail Aličečak defeated
2: Modestas Bokhauskas in a very close split decision, which in our eyes should have gone the other way. However, both fighters had great showings, with educated striking, both in offense and counters. Lack of defense,
0: however is a widespread problem in MMA. Omar Morales defeated Shane Young from City Kickboxing. In watching Young, who was not as clever as some of his teammates in hiding his intents, we saw City Kickboxing systems, basic fundamental layer. Feint to the left, feint to the right, then step to the right. Israel Adesanya and Alexander Volkanovski sometimes at a stance change after they step to the right. It will be interesting if other teams can pick up on this pattern, and hit city kickboxing fighters as they shuffle through their movement sequences. Jan Bolhovich's answer was to hit Adesanya as he fainted, as Adesanya rarely strikes without fainting first. This tends to be true for city kickboxing overall.
2: Lastly, we have Mark Andre Barrio defeating Abo Isatar by TKO in the last seconds of the fight. Even in modern MA you will find fighters with conditioning problems. Barrio defeated Isatar with one of the earliest UFC weapons, better
0: cardio. Overall, the most exciting development in the UFC is having a new heavyweight champion, which opens new possibilities and contenders to develop. What we should take note of is if the big man heavyweight era is making a comeback.
1: Now that's the show. If you enjoyed this episode and find this type of independent media worthwhile, please consider supporting the show on Patreon. We have a lot more episodes like this one in the works, but need your financial support to keep the show running. Even a few dollars a month goes a long way. No one does what we do, and it's all being funded by you, the listener. In return for supporting us, you'll gain access to lots of bonus content along with our private Discord chat. Even if you can't support us, there's a lot of free bonus content there as well. We also have an online store if you want to show your Southpaw solidarity by wearing our swag. You can find all pertinent links at southpawpod.com. And if you can't afford to support the show and still want to help, please leave us a five star review wherever you listen. This makes it easier for others to find us. And don't forget to share your favorite episodes or the podcast itself on social media. Tell your friends. Until next time, goodbye. South Paul. Hidden with the left. South Paul Sam. Paul. South Paul. South Paul.